This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Welcome to the latest episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Pepsi, Indeed, Regents Field, and Bet Online. Go check out all of our very kind sponsors, either in the ads below or in the case of Regents Field. Go check them out down on South Main Street in Ann Arbor. So it's a midweek time for the Lions. We did obviously a season preview in this space last week. No need to do a season preview this week. So we're going to try something new this week. Not sure if we're going to do it every week. Uh, it's going to kind of be a little bit flexible. We've got uh, an interview with Packers beat writer Rob Domofsky coming to preview the Lions and Packers tomorrow. But for today, we're going to give probably a shorter podcast. Just looking at five keys for the Lions if they're going to be able to go up to Lambeau Field and win. While it's not the obvious issue that it once was for Detroit back in 2013 and 2014 and the 2000s and the 1999s, it's still not an easy task for them. And it'll be more challenging this week because of some of the injury issues the Lions have. Good news for the Lions, Jeff Okuda back at practice. Bad news for the Lions, Jeff Okuda might have to start, and his first career start might come against Devontae Adams. Why might that come against Devontae Adams? Well, that's because Desmond Trufant missed practice on Wednesday. So did Daryl Roberts. So two of the top four outside corners are out. Obviously, Justin Coleman is on injured reserve. So right now, if you had to start a game today... The Lions starting cornerbacks would be Jeff Okuda, who's never played a snap in the NFL, even in the preseason, even though he's the number three overall pick, and Amani Awarie. And that's who's going to face Aaron Rodgers. And then in the slot, you've probably got Tony McRae or maybe the new signing Chris Jones. Not sure whether he's going to be more of an outside corner or a slot corner. He at least has some familiarity with the system because he's in Lions training camp in 2018. He was with the Arizona practice squad this year and was with the Cardinals last year. So one would think that partially what they're doing is they're also picking brains, picking his brains for next week against Arizona. But the Lions need corner help. Hopefully for the Lions' sake that they get Desmond Trufant or Daryl Roberts back and that it's more of a cautionary thing here on a Wednesday but that's not a good sign when you start the week 
not practicing. And the same goes for Hal Vitae, the right tackle. He also did not practice. Hunter Bryant, the tight end, did not practice. And Kenny Galladay, the team's all-pro, or sorry, not all-pro, Pro Bowl wide receiver, also did not practice. Some more on the corner situation and the wide receiver situation going to be in our five keys. But before we get into that, understand, I think this is going to be a very difficult test for the Lions. I thought that before the season started, I thought that after I saw what Aaron Rodgers did to Minnesota in week one, and I happen to think Minnesota's defense is pretty good. Now, obviously, they're without Daniil Hunter. That makes a world of difference. But the talent level on the Vikings defense and also their scheme would lead one to believe that they would have an okay shot against Aaron Rodgers. That was not to be. Aaron Rodgers looks like the Aaron Rodgers that NFC teams are used to seeing over the past decade and a half. He just sliced through Minnesota's defense. He threw for four touchdown passes, and it's pretty clear that Devontae Adams is going to be his main target. He threw for 14 targets to Devontae Adams, and that's that was his main guy. One would think that he's going to do that again this week, and... If Jeff Okuda ends up being the starter, might pick on him because Jeff Okuda, again, as talented as he may be, has never seen a snap in the NFL. And that's a daunting task from going from no snaps to, hey man, that's a Hall of Famer on the other side of the field. Good luck. We'll get into that and more right after this break. Stick with the Michael Rothstein Show. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season whether you're in a city that has some fans or you're just at home watching the lions or watching the bears or watching the packers more than likely if you're listening to this show watching the lions and i get it you're gonna want some carbonated beverage to help you through it pepsi's the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the league of football watchers These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. And even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times, that's three and a half times, more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Now, back to our show. Welcome back. And now we're going to get into the five keys of the game. And I'm going to start here with 
what I think is key number one, which might be the most important thing for the Lions in this game. And I think it's probably pretty obvious by what we were talking about at the top. And that is how Jeff Okuda and Amani Awarie play against Aaron Rodgers. And for Okuda, he's never seen Aaron Rodgers before. He's never been tested by him. He's got no real experience in that vein. He's never faced an NFL receiver that's not a teammate before. He's never gone live, full, true game speed. And it's not clear what the Lions would do, whether they would travel Amani Awarie with Adams or they would just play sides. One would think that they probably would lean more towards playing sides, but at that point, would Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, Nathaniel Hackett being the offensive coordinator, just say, all right, you know what, we're going to try and really match Devontae Adams up with wherever Jeff Okuda might be. If I'm the Packers, I'm doing that because I want Jeff Okuda to prove to me that he can handle Devontae Adams. And here's the thing. From what we saw in training camp, Jeff Okuda shows a lot of flashes of talent, but there are also times where Jeff Okuda is going to get lost, which is expected of any rookie. And that's when he's seen these guys day after day, play after play, and it's, again, a practice setting. Sure, Jeff Okuda might play a lot better when the lights come on. And I, again, think he's going to be a very, very, very good player in the NFL. But... This could be a really rough debut for him if they find a way to match him up with Adams. Adams looked completely healthy and ready to go in week one. I thought he was extremely good. Obviously, him and Rodgers have such rapport over the years that it would not shock me at all if that ends up being a heavy focal point matchup for the Packers and something they really try to key on early. Basically, Go to him again and again and again as long as he's still got single coverage until Jeff Okuda makes a play or even Omani Awarie makes a play. Awarie has obviously more game experience and has had some playmaking ability, but he's still learning as a starter. Last week was really his first true opportunity as a starter. And sure, they I thought he handled himself okay against the Bears, but... Mitchell Trubisky is not Aaron Rodgers, not even close. Even Trubisky time, Mitchell Trubisky, that ends up playing extremely well against the Lions, that is nowhere close to Aaron Rodgers, especially good Aaron Rodgers. And the receivers opposite Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scandling and Alan Lazard, specifically, no slouches either. Lazard in particular would be a pretty favorable matchup, I think, Against either one of the Lions' corners, I think he has the size, skill, speed to maybe make a difference there and could cause some problems for Owarie or Okuda or whoever else gets matched up on them. And, I mean, if you're the Lions, I don't know how you combat that because maybe you blitz more, maybe you become more aggressive, maybe you play a lot more zone, but listen, as we saw when the Lions played in the fourth quarter against the Bears, they played precisely zero true zone. They played either man or some sort of hybrid man. And that's when Mitchell Trubisky lit them up, and they were doing it with Awarie, Daryl Roberts, and Tony McRae as the team's cornerbacks. Now, theoretically, Okuda will be an upgrade there, but he's also, again, in his first ever game. So you need to figure out how you're going to use him 
And you probably have to play him in a situation where he's most comfortable. And that might be in man, but then you're putting a pretty big risk there. So what do you do? Do you then go and you try and double Adams? Maybe that's the answer. But if you're doing that and you're saying let everybody else beat you, they still have Aaron Rodgers and could very well beat you. And plus, it's not entirely out of their own possibility that Devontae Adams can still beat your double coverage. So how Jeff Okuda plays could be a key to all of this. Because if Jeff Okuda can come out and show right off the top that he can handle being up against a top-flight quarterback, and whether it's Lazard, Valdez, Scaling, or Adams, if he's able to show that he can at least hold his own and he's not picked on all day long, that can really give the Lions a boost and perhaps give them enough confidence that they can handle things elsewhere. Which leads me to the second key. It's tough to pressure Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers' footwork is so good and his timing in the pocket is so good and his movement of the pocket is phenomenal. It's part of why he's going to be a Hall of Famer one day and part of why he's able to make so many of the plays that he does. But you have to find a way to get some pressure on him and to make him somewhat uncomfortable. Because if you allow him to just sit in the pocket all day, he will shred you. And if you saw what the Lions did against Trubisky, even though they maybe didn't want to leave him in the pocket all day, Trubisky still had one of the most amounts of times in the pocket of any quarterback last week. And they just didn't get the pressure from their front seven that one would have thought they might have done. Based off of what I saw in camp, I thought they would be a lot more aggressive defensively. They didn't go there. How much of that was Jamie Collins being out? We don't know. However, the fact that Trey Flowers is the only defensive lineman to even register a quarterback hit, let alone anything else, is a concern. And Nick Williams showed up as limited on the injury report as well. And if Nick Williams is limited, even though he didn't really do all that much against the Bears, he's still the guy you brought in to be one of your better pass-rushing options out of the interior of the defensive line. So if he's bagged up, you're relying more on Deshaun Hand, who has all the talent that we've seen from 2018. But the production hasn't been there because he's been injured for the vast majority of the last 17 to 20 games of his career. So that is a problem as well. And I don't know where you go beyond that. Maybe Kevin Strong ends up getting a call up here late in the week or in that you know, practice squad to active movement that you can have and ends up being active and ends up playing a role. That could possibly help the Lions in their pass rush there. But they have to find a way to generate more pass rush than they did in the past. Now, when we're talking about Rodgers, the Lions have had some success against Rodgers under Matt Patricia that in four games, he's only been on two and two, although he obviously won both games last year. He's only completed 50% of his passes against Matt Patricia defenses. With the Lions, and yes, this is a Corey Unlin defense, but it's still Matt Patricia's principles. Let's just be very, very real there. But here is where I think it can get potentially interesting for the Lions when they're facing Aaron Rodgers, because this is just some of the reality of it, right? They've only blitzed Aaron Rodgers 13% of dropbacks, and that has not always gone well, obviously, for Detroit Because when they have blitzed Rodgers, he's completed 
about 56% of his passes, but he's also thrown a touchdown on 16.7% of those attempts. And that obviously is not great for Detroit if you're blitzing Aaron Rodgers, because you know if you blitz Aaron Rodgers, that can be a very big issue very, very quickly whenever you're facing him. So you have to make the decision of can you get there with your front four or with your three-plus pass rusher, which the Lions have not shown the predilection to be able to do in any stretch of any game, really. Or do you try and send more people, but Aaron Rodgers could pick you apart? It's a really tough conundrum. I expect that you could see potentially more of a man zone difference, meaning like not like what they did last week where they played almost completely man against Rod, uh, against Trubisky and much less zone. They've been more 50-50 when they've kind of faced him in the past or a little bit more of like 66-33. So two-thirds of the time man, one-third of the time zone. And I would imagine that the Lions would at least consider maybe a little bit more zone to protect Okuda, as we were talking about before, protect Owarie, and really protect yourself from getting beat too deep, especially when you know that so much of Green Bay's focus offensively is going to be on that Rodgers to Adams connection. So combine what we were talking about before the secondary and with the pass rush, that's, I think, where you are defensively. My third key is this. Quintus Cephas has to be better. If Kenny Galladay does not play, let me just preface it by saying that, if Kenny Galladay does not play, they need more of a connection between Matthew Stafford or Quintus Cephas, or you don't play Cephas as much and you put in Marvin Hall. I'm not sure why they played more Cephas over Hall. I think Cephas had a really good camp, but so did Marvin Hall. Again, Cephas is more of a possession receiver, but Hall gives you that speed threat that, frankly, no other receiver on the team has maybe Jamal Agnew, but Marvin Hall is much more polished as a receiver than Jamal Agnew is, and they also play a different type of position. So I don't know why Marvin Hall didn't play as much as Quintus Cephas, but I think part of it is you got to have a guy on there to stretch the field. You can't really play possession football a little bit, and I think that that's why they should maybe play Marvin Hall more than Cephas. Plus, Stafford has more of a connection with Marvin Hall from their time together last year and on some of the routes Cephas ran as good as Cephas had been in camp and as much potential as I think he does have when you're only completing three of ten targets and some of those were clear miscommunications that's that's a problem so for the Lions again they hope obviously Kenny Galladay comes back then it's a non-issue then probably Cephas goes to being inactive potentially although who knows maybe they would make Marvin Hall inactive since Cephas got so much work, but one of those two guys would be inactive and then the other one would get very sparing work behind Jones, Galladay, and Amendola. And when you're looking at that, again, with that Marvin Hall, Quintus Cephas, so much more attention if Galladay does not play will then be put on Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones has often done well against the Packers. One of the best games of his career came against Green Bay. In 2016, it was really his kind of coming out party with the franchise when he had six six catches for 205 yards and two touchdowns in Green Bay. That was that was a big time game from Marvin Jones, and the Lions are going to need him to do more than he did last week when he only had but he was four catches for 55 yards. wasn't really involved as much in the offense. Detroit's going to have to get him more involved, and the issue there potentially 
is that if Galladay doesn't play, Jones could end up facing Jair Alexander, who's fast becoming one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL, and that all of a sudden becomes a really tough matchup. So then the Lions would have to rely on that Cephas-Hall combo, and again on Danny Amendola, and even more so on my fourth key, TJ Hawkinson. They need TJ Hawkinson to build off of what he did in week one where he had a touchdown, but even more so, he was more adept in running routes. He was smoother in his route running, and there were times, particularly in the two-minute drive at the end of the first half, where he really just took over and became Stafford's go-to player. As long as Galladay is out, that needs to happen more and more, especially if teams are going to focus and key in on Marvin Jones a little bit more. Hawkinson caught all five of his targets for 56 yards against the Bears, and one would think you're going to see a heavy dose of Hawkinson again, but they need Hawkinson to maybe get over 75 yards, maybe even top 100 yards receiving in order to really have a shot because that will open up the rest of the offense again for Jones, for their other receivers, and this is all if Galladay does not play. If Galladay does play, then it becomes a much more balanced offense. But it'll also open things up for the run game, whether that's Adrian Peterson, Carrion Johnson, or DeAndre Swift. So that would be key number four, is figuring out a way to make sure that TJ Hawkinson stays involved in the offense at a high enough level. Because last year what we saw was Hawkinson was very involved in week one, and then that disappeared as teams figured him out. Now that shouldn't happen here with the potential jump for him from year one to year two, but until you see it consistently game after game after game, maybe over three weeks to a month out of Hawkinson, you're just not going to know that. But for them to win, they need Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson to both be very, very effective in the pass game because that will open up a lot more for the run game and it'll give a little bit less pressure on Matthew Stafford. So the fifth key to this game, frankly, it's not letting demons get in. I know that that's super cliche. Matt Patricia even kind of talked about it a little bit that they don't necessarily realize things inside the building, but they have to work to make sure that what they hear outside the building doesn't creep in. And while I'm usually not a believer in that by any stretch of the imagination, a third of their games have been fourth quarter fo- fourth quarter follies. They've been blown leads. They've been miscues. They've been going conservative. We've talked about this on the podcast really all week long so far. And that has to be the the fifth key is you can't let what happened against Chicago or even what happened the last two games against Green Bay where the Lions led literally every second of both games. They led or were tied and then they lost both games because of Mason Crosby field goals at the end. Two of those fall from ahead losses that the, that Matt Patricia has of the 10 that you can't let those types of things creep into your head again if it ends up being a close game. Human nature would say that it is possible that that would happen. And I don't care what anyone tells you, like that will happen with some players if it ends up being close and the Lions are sitting there with a lead in the fourth quarter. But you have to be able to fight through that. That, I think, is the next step for this team. If this Lions team wants to show that they are any good this year, they need to start holding on to fourth quarter leads. That might sound dumb, but until they've done it more than one time, and that's all they've done it under Matt Patricia is one time, until they've done it more than one time, they might not believe they can do it. It's one of those prophecies of until you see you can do it, visualization, you don't necessarily know you can do it. You can believe it, but it helps actually do it, right? So 
for the Lions, if they are leading in the fourth quarter, they need to be able to hold a lead because one would think if they end up in another situation like they did where they have a lead in the fourth quarter against the Packers and then they end up losing the game, that could really be a problem for Matt Patricia and for Detroit because that would also be, if this happens on Sunday, four straight games where they had leads in the fourth quarter and then lost in the end. Of course, it's entirely possible this game doesn't end up being that close. I would probably lean more toward a Packer blowout than a Lion blowout because of how Aaron Rodgers has played and because of the issues in the Lions secondary. But if it is a close game, Detroit needs to be mentally strong enough to be able to finish the game. They've talked a lot about dagger time. We've heard it over and over. They need to actually put actions to words and finish a game. And that's the fifth key is that if you're in that situation, you can't let all these prior games kind of pop into your head. You have to just be able to finish. With that said, uh, I will make my prediction tomorrow. On tomorrow's show, we'll have ESPN Packers reporter Rob Domovsky on tomorrow's show. Looking forward to having him as the guest. I want to thank, as always, my sponsors, Bet Online, Regents Field, Indeed, and Pepsi. You can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. You can check me out on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Feel free to give us a five-star review or at least just download and subscribe wherever you do. It only helps this show get better. And with that, we will talk with you tomorrow. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and get, take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.